Welcome to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and how so very pleased and happy we are to have all of you out in the Internet congregation tuning in with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you, and if it is, please feel free to share it with others. If you'll go to our website, establishedinthefaith.com, you'll find where you can subscribe to this podcast through various different means, and you won't miss out on anything as well we love hearing from you so if you will please feel free to contact us with any questions or comments that you may have as it pertains to the program today well we're going to go on into the program now picking it up in revelation chapter one dealing with verses four five and six we hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you come for a blessing tonight well the bible surely says that you will receive a blessing that's revelation chapter 1 and verse 3 blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things that are written therein if you want a blessing you just do a study in the book of revelations The Bible promises a blessing. Of course, I believe this goes for the entirety of the Word of God. I don't know of a time when I sit down and read out of God's Word and didn't get a blessing out of it. But um, I've studied the book of Revelation several times and done a study on it in the past and took a year to go through it. And... um, Each time I study it, the Lord shows me a little bit more and more. Uh, And of course, that's the way it should be. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus means Savior. Christ means anointed. When the angel Gabriel came to Mary that night so long ago and said, Thou shalt conceive in thy womb. And bring forth the Son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's what Jesus means, Savior. So any time, every time you read in the Word of God the name of Jesus, you cannot separate Jesus from being the Savior. Paul warned about another Jesus. If you separate Jesus from his finished work of the cross, you have another Jesus. And Paul warned about another Jesus, which is fostered by another spirit. The Bible says that in the last days that men would depart from the faith. And any time Paul used that terminology, he's talking about faith in Christ and what Christ did for us at the cross. Men would depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Uh, Sadly and regrettably, a lot of what's being preached and taught today is another Jesus. It's a psychological Jesus or a financial Jesus. Or a healing Jesus. Yes, God wants us to have money. He wants to bless us. He wants to heal us. But we all need to understand that all of these blessings, all of these things are made available to us 
through and by what Jesus did at Calvary. Jesus, Savior, God manifest in the flesh. Jesus was every bit God and every bit man. But when Jesus became a man, he laid aside his deity. And everything that he did in this world was done as a man under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led him and guided him every step of the way, even to the last few moments that he was on the cross. The Holy Spirit told him when to die. And he said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And he said, it is finished. And when Jesus said, it is finished, volumes could be wrote on that one phrase. So much could be said there when Jesus said, it is finished. You know, his first recorded words that we have uh, was when he was 12 years old in the temple. And we see him sitting there with all the chief priests and the doctors. And he's asking them questions. And they're asking him questions and he's giving them answers. And Mary and Joseph got to missing him and they got missing him for three days and went into the temple and found him sitting there with the doctors and the teachers. And they said, son, you know, why, why have you done this? Why have you been gone from us for so long? And he said, know ye not that I must be about my father's business. He was always about the father's business. And when he died on Calvary, his last words was, it is finished. In essence, he was saying, I have finished the father's business. And when Jesus died on Calvary, the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom. That veil, which was four inches thick, Four yoke of oxen couldn't have pulled that thing apart. But when Jesus died, it rent from the top down to the bottom. So there's no way that man could have done this thing. It was God. Literally, if God could have pulled back the blind so that you could see into the spirit world, you would have seen those giant hands literally ripping that thing apart. In essence, saying... Man now has access to the Holy of Holies. We can come boldly now before the throne of grace through and by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And what an honor, what a privilege that it is. But not only did Jesus die on Calvary to save you and I and give us access to God, but when Jesus died on Calvary, he died there to redeem all of creation. As well. See, when God created Adam in the Garden of Eden, He gave Adam dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over everything that creepeth upon the face of the earth. Gave Adam that dominion, but when Adam sinned in that garden, He forfeited that dominion over to Satan. Satan is now the prince and the power of the air. Satan has a legal right. To do what he does because of sin. But now he's on a leash. We see that in the book of Job. Uh, Satan can't go any further than what God allows him to. But Satan has a legal right to ask God to do certain things. And God allows him to do 
certain things. And there are certain things that God will not allow Satan to do. In the book of Job, we see that God put a hedge around about Job. And I believe that every single one of us that are saved, we have a hedge of God's blood, the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. It is around us. And Satan wants to get into us and do certain things, but God says, no, I'm not going to let you do it. But at times, God will let him do certain things. But we'll leave that message for a different day. But due to the fall... This world does not function and work as God originally designed it to. God didn't mean for it to be a hundred degrees. God didn't intend for sweat to roll down your face and the gnats getting all in you. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I don't know if y'all do, but you come to Bailey for a little while and uh, <laughs> you'll learn real quick about what I'm talking about and the weeds growing and Whatever the case, but uh, that's not God's original design. But God's going to straighten all this out one day, but he's going to do it through and by what Jesus did at Calvary. Let's pick it up tonight in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 4. And we're going to look at a little bit more tonight about this great gift of salvation John, to the seven churches which are at Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. This is the great salutation to the church. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Now this salutation was given to the seven churches there in Asia Minor, but let's not limit it to them. Uh, If you do that, you'll also have to take the books of the Bible that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians and say that was just for the Corinthians. And the book he wrote to the Philippians, well, that was for the church at Philippi. Or the book of Ephesians, well, that was for the church at Ephesus. It applies for all churches for all of time. So what the Lord said and address this to seven churches there in Asia, he's addressing it to all churches for all of time. And as I stated last week, I believe that the Lord picked these seven particular churches because there were things going on in those churches. And if you look back in church history, you can see how this church could possibly represent this period of time, this church, and so on and so forth. We'll take a look at that a little bit later on. But uh, he addressed those seven churches there in Asia, but not only those churches, but all churches for all of time. Let's take a look at who this salutation is from. From him which is... For those of you that wonder and doubt, is there a God? 
Here's the proof. From him which is. He is alive. He does exist. And one day you will stand before him. And the Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Haven comes home every day from school. And she's got a couple of them at school they call themselves atheists. They don't believe in God. They try to bring that thing because they know where she stands on certain things. They're trying to get under her skin a little bit. But I just thank God tonight, and I praise God tonight that she stands her ground, and she'll tell them, I don't believe in gay marriage. It's a sin. It's wrong. God judged Sodom and Gomorrah for it, and he'll do the same today. Thank God she'll stand her ground, and we need more Christians today that'll do it but those atheists those that don't believe in god the bible calls them a fool but one day they're going to stand before god and they're going to see him from him which is god does exist and which was and which is to come that is god the father god has always existed when when i use the word eternity We think of eternity as being something in the future. All eternity, future. But have you ever thought about there is an eternity past? I'm going to blow y'all's mind tonight. There is such a thing as an eternity past because God has always existed. There was never a time when God did not exist. Try to wrap your little peanut brain around that one. You can't. God's an awesome God. It's hard to understand, you see, because you and I, we're created beings. To us, there is a beginning and there is an ending. But to God, there is no beginning and there is no ending. There is no time with God as we know it. He exists in eternity. That's something you and I can't even begin to comprehend and understand. But he is, and he was in eternity past, and he is the one that is to come in the future. God the Father one day will transfer his headquarters from the planet heaven down to planet earth, and he'll forever be with his people in the future. That's coming from him which is to come. All right, let's take a look at the Holy Spirit. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. That is the Holy Spirit. Now, the word seven there in front of spirit does not mean that there are seven Holy Spirits. There's only one Holy Spirit. But the number seven there, something you need to understand about the number seven in the Bible. It is very significant in the book of Revelation, okay? And you'll see this as we go along. Uh, You have uh, seven churches, seven letters, seven stars, seven candlesticks, seven lamps of fire, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven horns, seven eyes, seven thunders, seven heads, seven crowns, seven angels, and we could just go on and on and on and on and on with that. 
The number seven is God's number for completeness and perfection. So in essence, we're looking at a perfect Holy Spirit, which is in front of the throne of God. Something else we want to take a look at. The number seven also represents something else about the Holy Spirit. If you will, just hold your place there in the book of Revelation, but flip over to Isaiah chapter 11. I want to show you something else, too, about the Holy Spirit and the number seven. Isaiah 11 and verse 1, There shall come forth a root out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. In this one verse, verse 2, we have seven attributes of the Holy Spirit that rested upon Christ. If you'll remember, when Jesus came to John the Baptist at the Jordan River that day to be baptized, and Jesus was actually baptized that day, John saw the Holy Spirit come down in the form of a dove. And heaven was opened unto him, and from that time Jesus started his earthly ministry. From that time when the Holy Spirit came upon him. There are seven attributes of the Holy Spirit, and we see it here in Isaiah 11 and verse 2. They are the Spirit of the Lord. Number two, the Spirit of wisdom. Number three, the Spirit of understanding. Number four, the Spirit of counsel. Number five, the spirit of might. Number six, the spirit of knowledge. Number seven, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. All seven of these attributes of the Holy Spirit rested upon Christ and helped Christ do the things that he did as a man as he walked this earth. Seven attributes of the Holy Spirit and... uh, And, of course, Jesus is also mentioned in this salutation, Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, and from Jesus Christ. So the salutation to the church is, in essence, from the Trinity. Here we have the Trinity. God the Father is sitting on the throne. God the Holy Ghost is located there in front of the throne. And we have Jesus standing there, which we'll see later on, giving this revelation to John. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all three parties of the divine trinity working together. They work together as it pertains to our salvation. Jesus was doing the will of the Father. Jesus went to the cross to fulfill the will of the Father, and the Holy Spirit was helping him carry this out. So we have the divine trinity at work as it pertains to our salvation. This salutation is to the church. Now let's take a look at what is said. Verse 4, Revelation 1 and verse 4, Grace be unto you and peace. That's God's word to you tonight. 
grace be unto you and peace. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You see, every single one of us sitting here tonight, every single person in this world deserves to hear God say one day, depart from me, you cursed in the everlasting fire. But instead, God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ went to the cross and died for you and I. That is the love of God for us, church. And this is what we hear God saying to his church, grace and peace. When you and I deserve judgment and hell, God shed his mercy and his grace upon us. And the song we sung a while ago, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that our God did span at Calvary. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I thank God I'm saved tonight. You ought to thank God that you're saved tonight. If God hadn't have saved you when he did, where in the world would you be tonight? Some of you would be out here in one of these stones over top of you, buried with moss growing over your tombstone. But thank God Jesus Christ touched your heart one day and you accepted him as your Savior and he changed your life. He changed that course that you were going down. He changed your life. And by the grace of God, you're here tonight. Grace and peace be unto you. And Paul said it real good in Romans 8 and 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. When you draw your last breath, you don't have to worry about the flames of hell. You've just got to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And oh, what a day that's going to be when we stand before the one that saved us by his grace. Because he said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Glory to God. All right. There are several things that are said about the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 5. This salutation is from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. The faithful witness. Jesus is witnessing things right now. He's witnessing the things that we are doing both individually and corporately as a church. Now, what is a witness? A witness is one that bears testimony, right? But Jesus is called the faithful witness. He is faithful and true. You can depend on him to give forth a true testimony. Now, the Greek word for witness... 
is martus. It's where we get our English word from martyr. And you know what a martyr is. It's one that will die because of their faith or because of their testimony. When they came to the Garden of Gethsemane, the soldiers did. And they got Jesus. And they carried him to the high priest, the chief priest, and the scribes. And they've had him on trial. They brought several witnesses in. This one was saying this. This one was saying that. Their testimony was conflicting with one another. And all of a sudden the high priest said enough of this. And he looked at Jesus point blank and asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of God? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting beside the throne of God in glory. And when Jesus spoke those words, the high priest rent his garments and said, What need we of any more witnesses? You've all heard his blasphemy. What do you think? And we all know the story. Jesus, out of his own mouth, condemned himself when he said, I am the Messiah. He condemned himself to death right there. All Jesus had to say was no, because no one else had a testimony. They couldn't get their witness. They couldn't get their, their evidence against Jesus. But when Jesus said what he said, he, he was the witness, the faithful and true witness, even unto death. So you can depend on the Lord to give forth a True testimony. He is a true witness. And in Philippians 2 and 8, the Bible says, Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Of course, he was doing the the Father's will. Let's take a look at another phrase there about Jesus. Verse 5. He is the first begotten of the dead. The first begotten of the dead. That speaks of the Lord's resurrection. Now, in the Old Testament, we have record of a few people that were raised from the dead. There are a few people that when Jesus Uh, During Jesus' ministry, he called them forth and raised them from the dead. Lazarus was one, and there were several others. And, of course, we don't know how many others there were that was not recorded in the Word. John said, if I sit down and wrote everything the Lord done, the world couldn't contain all the books. (laughs) Glory. But he gave us enough. So there were resurrections. Before Jesus died. But he's the first begotten of the dead. Jesus is the first one to be raised from the dead. To receive a glorified body. That will never die. He is the first begotten of the dead. The word first 
insinuates that there will be others that will follow. And guess who that is? That's you and I. He's the first begotten of the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead with a glorified body. You and I, when the trump of Almighty God sounds, we're also going to put on a glorified body. Corruption's going to put on incorruption. Mortality's going to put on immortality. And we're going to go be with the Lord. And I look forward to that. Amen. All right. Another statement made there in verse 5. He's called the prince of the kings of the earth. Just as surely as Jesus is the faithful witness. Just as surely as he is raised from the dead with a glorified body. Jesus is going to be the prince of the kings of the earth. At the second coming, when Jesus comes back. At the second coming, which will be at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. Israel will accept Jesus as their Savior. Jesus will put Israel back as the leading nation in the world. And Jesus will rule and, run, rule and reign from Jerusalem on the throne of David. Fulfilling those prophecies in the Old Testament. Of course, we don't have time to get into all that, but we will a little bit later on. Jesus will rule and reign for a thousand years. All right, verse 5. Unto him that loved us. Those were not just words. It's one thing for somebody to tell you that they love you. It's another thing when they show you. And Jesus loved us enough, he went to Calvary and died for us. No greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. The blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. But what Jesus did on Calvary, it was a finished work. And all it requires is our faith in it. And we sing a song from time to time, Are You Washed in the Blood? Honey, they can take you and put you in a baptismal tank and baptize you till you draw up like a prune. And that won't wash away one sin. But the moment you put your faith in the finished work of Christ, Hallelujah, every sin you've ever committed is gone. Every sin you committed today is gone. Every sin that you'll ever commit in the future, if you'll keep your faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary, it's gone. And the Holy Spirit, the moment you commit a sin, he'll bring it to your attention. And you ask the Lord to forgive you. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Because of what Jesus did at Calvary. Look at verse 6. He has made us kings and priests unto God and his father. You and I are going to have the privilege of ruling and reigning with the Lord Jesus Christ. One day.
ruling and reigning and serving him. Well, Brother James, I just don't know about all that. Well, it's the lake of fire or ruling and reigning with Christ. There's your choice, one or the other. That, that, that's up to you. <laughs> ruling and reigning with Christ. No wonder John said, the latter part of verse 6, to him be glory. To him be glory. The Greek word for glory is doxa. It means praise. It means worship. It's where we get our English word from, doxology. And we sing it every Sunday after the offering. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And John said it well here at the end of this salutation. Amen. So be it. Amen also means truth. That's why I love it sometimes when I'm preaching, I hear somebody say amen. They know I'm telling the truth. Or so be it. Uh, one other thing there, it says, To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. One day the Lord is going to have dominion over the entirety of this world. And he's going to bring this world back to a state that it was, I believe, before the fall took place in the Garden of Eden. God's going to bring it all back. That dominion's going to be back where it ought to be. But I guess my question tonight is this. Does the Lord have dominion over your life? Or does the sin nature have dominion? The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 6, he said, sin shall not have dominion over you. So, is the Lord ruling and reigning? Does he have dominion? In your heart and life, or is the sin nature ruling and reigning in some area of your life? That's something all of us need to take a look at. The Bible says we all need to examine ourselves to see if we be in the faith. And the Lord needs to be, the Lord needs to be the Lord. A lot of people want Jesus to be the Savior, but they don't want Him to be Lord. They want Jesus as some fire insurance, but I, I want my fire insurance in case I die, but I still want to go out here and do whatever. Jesus has got to be your Savior, and He's also got to be your Lord. He's the one that, you know, we all want to stand before Him one day and hear Him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, you've got to have an ear to hear what He's saying, and then you've got to put into practice whatever it is that He's telling you to do. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com. Click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.